the Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a A podcast about the nanny, a hit sitcom from the 90s that you may or may not remember. Hopefully you do, because why else are you listening to this show? I am Shondi Pasquale here with... Toria Sheffield, and I really thought you were going to start that one over, but you just, you just... You know, you skied through it. It was, it made, my pronunciation made me laugh. And then I was like, should I start over? And then I was like, nah, it was a funny pronunciation. No, I'm glad. I, I like it. I like when they see the human element of, of who we are. Yeah, we're morons. (laughs) Peel the curtain back. Oh, look, it's two dummies back there. But so, yes. And this is uh, Franny and the Professor. Yes. Season three, episode two. Franny and the Professor. What do you think that title is about? Do you think it's just straightforward? She's uh, because this is the one where she starts. She goes. Well, she doesn't even really date. She, she like. This is the episode where Cece's brother comes to visit and bets Cece that he can turn Fran into a Jeopardy contestant. So yeah. he ends up spending a lot of time with her, but she but doesn't not really know dating. No, but she she doesn't think it's she doesn't think that they're spending time together just because of a bet, though. Right. Um, also, this was like My Fair Lady with Jeopardy. It, it was. And I – well, quick thing. Were you asking me a leading question about Franny and the Professor or do you really not know? Because I get that – into that in trivia. Oh, I really don't know. So let's save it for truth. <laughs> okay. Truth okay. Times. Well, yeah. Well, I will say there's this. A, there's a teaser. Stick around <laughs> and find out why it's called Franny and the Professor. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, and I'll say this. Uh, this is an episode that a lot of people probably remember because it has Alex Trebek and Fran actually goes on Jeopardy for this one. I mean, obviously not actually on Jeopardy as you know in the real world, but but they have like the Jeopardy set and all of that stuff. And my note says this is this episode is a precursor to Slumdog Millionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right; it is very much My Fair Lady, but with knowledge, not class. I mean, you also might remember this episode because of uh, Michael McKean. He That's of true. Better Call Saul or any of the of the uh, Christopher uh, Guest movies. Christopher Guest movies. Thank you. I can remember his name. Uh, yeah, you know, Spinal Tap, Mighty Wind. Uh, I mean, he was in all of them. He's at Best in Show. I think. I think he's in Waiting for Guffman. I mean, he's. In, I think he's in all of those movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's great. Michael McKean is fantastic. As soon as he walked in, I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, this character is going to be great." Uh, and he was. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we start this episode off as we do many episodes. We're at the breakfast table and Fran is just talking about um, TV shows she likes. And specific- <laughs> specifically, it was like uh, Brighton goes, Fran, have you seen the TV guide? And she goes, it's right here. And she points to her head. <laughs> and we find out that if you ask her any question about the television lineup. Um, she knows like what's coming on after it, who's guest starring and people, I realize our younger listeners might not even know what a TV guide is. Dude, I, my first note is let's talk about TV guide and how it died. (laughs) Um, because TV guide was a very important part of my life growing up. (laughs) It was crucial to my week. My mother and I used to go to this. We had a subscription to TV guide as most people did, because how else did you know what was on TV? But then once a year, we would go to the grocery store at the beginning of the fall to buy an extra copy of TV guide. So we both had one to read all of the fall TV previews. (gasps) 
That's wow. a real thing we used to do. So, and just for context for that, TV Guide, it was like a little booklet. It was like um, not a magazine because it was thicker than a magazine. And it just literally had all the listings for the week for what was going to be on TV because yeah. this was pre-internet. Um, and it was this also- This was even pre- So <clears throat> first it was TV Guide, right? It was literally a printed- It was the first like 30 or 40 pages- were in like magazine kind of glossy print. And then the back half of the book was like really thin, shitty newsprint because it, it it was not, you know, it was just like disposable. You'd throw it out at the end of the week. It was worthless mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because all it had in it was, you know, literally every single time. And then what was on TV next to that. But it's just really, it's funny because you forget you. how we, used to do things. And it's like, yeah, that, that was a very practical solution to a very everyday problem. How yep. did you know it was going to be on TV that week? You had a little booklet that arrived at your home yep. and you kept it on your coffee table. Uh, which is all to say this whole joke does not work if you don't understand what they're talking about. Um, but yes. it's very, very funny if you if you, if you you got it. Yes. Um, and- they also, right before that, Fran is – talking about a wedding and it sounds like it's like a wedding she went to at first. And then she's like, yeah. And Val was crying the whole time. And you're like, Oh, did they go to a wedding? And then she's like, I just can't believe Dr. Quinn got married. Yeah. 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 Like that, that Dr. Quinn made a beautiful bride. So she had spent the evening watching TV. Dr. Quinn uh, woman. And then we also set this, this dynamic up, which, you know, we've never seen this overtly, and I think like this harshly, which is that like Mr. Sheffield, at least as written in this episode, just does not consider Fran someone he would like ever have an adult conversation with about like politics or current affairs because he's like very sort of – he's very conspicuously behind his newspaper. And then he, you know, kind of peer- – he says something a little like derisive and she's yeah. like, well, you know, it's because I talk to kids all day. Maybe if you weren't always behind that paper and I got a chance to have an actual adult conversation and he kind of like smugly folds the newspaper over and he's like – all right, like let's have an adult conversation. Affirmative action uh, for or against. And then again, as Fran has written, at least in this episode, she doesn't even know what affirmative action is and clearly thinks it's some kind of firming body lotion for cellulite. <laughs> and she says she's against because her mother's been using it for years and it like her, work. yeah, her legs still look like pudding or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because like we've gone back and forth on this because sometimes like we've read IMDb comments where they'll be like, France too stupid to know what this is, you know? Mm-hmm. And and we're like, she's not that stupid. And then this episode kind of like disproves our point because the writers are literally like, no, 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 she's that stupid. So is it inconsistent writing just overall? Or, I... you know, is she – because – She's not stupid, but we have pretty firmly established like she doesn't really follow current events unless they're like gossip mag current events. Like she knows what's going on with Clinton and OJ, but like why would she know affirmative action? But also, this is the woman who refuses to cross a picket line um, and also a woman who refuses to wear fur. Okay, but both of those examples are things that – well, the picket line thing was – solely just from like a way she was raised. It wasn't like that she had like some deep-seated knowledge of how unions work. She was just like, this is how I was raised. You don't cross a picket line. So like 
that's more like a cultural belief thing, you know, and they, she, I think she even says in that episode, like she had an uncle who was in the union. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very possible. She's just one of those people who, who's not actually stupid, but the information she knows is just through like the avenues that she's interested in or had experiences with. So, so maybe, yeah, maybe she, you know, you know, it's like, yeah, I think that's that's what it is. It's like she she knows about not wearing fur because that was like a very popular like talking point at the time for like celebrities and like all of the things that she would follow, which is like celebrity gossip and all of this stuff, interviews with like her favorite celebrities who were like, oh, fur is murder. You know what I mean? Okay, I, I will buy that. And then maybe that helps me be a little less annoyed by like this this thing that they do in TV shows where sometimes they'll kind of change a character just for one episode to serve a, a plot that they wanted to yeah. do, um, which is, oh, like getting Fran on Jeopardy. But the thing that also was happening throughout this episode is Mr. Sheffield was – he was – we get the sense that instead of, you know – him recognizing and re- appreciating and respecting that like she has a different set of skills than he does and that's what makes them a good team it was almost like kind of like I, I was almost like if these two ever got together like this would be horrible like he clearly thinks she's an yes. idiot okay um, now that I will give you is I think his writing is more inconsistent than hers I think his writing is exactly violating the rule that you're saying which is like it's convenient for this episode for him to not have any respect for her intellect. So he doesn't. Whereas like two episodes ago, he was like, she's smart and she knows her shit and like, she's tough. And you know what I mean? And, and like, it also, like you're saying, it's like, they're trying to push this romance between them. But like, if his view of her intellectually is that she is like dumber than a rock, then you start to question like, well, what do you like about her? She's just hot. Yes. And that's kind of, you know, you just, you just got the sense that he didn't have any real respect for her. And I think Mm -hmm. it could have been written slightly differently where maybe, you know, he would have said something like, ah, Miss Fine, like you're very intelligent in your own way, but this isn't really the realm for you. Like, you know, and then she gets to prove him wrong, which is also extra kind of satisfying and fun. But also we don't get the sense that he just thinks she's like, you know, the dumb bimbo who, you know, raises his kids. Um, But so I also... (laughs) Great segue. My note is, did you notice her hair? Middle part. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, I wrote, it's huge and middle part again. Yeah. So they're, they're growing for, and we also watched the next episode. That's clearly, I think her hair this season. Yeah. Um, and I'll say this for anyone who's interested or, uh, I think they're using a lot of extensions now because her hair is mm. bigger than ever. And that's a very common thing. You know, even if you have totally nice, normal hair in real life, if you're on a TV show, um, or a movie, they'll still pack it with extensions. Oh, and yeah. It is, yeah, it is huge right now. Yeah. Um, and so then, okay, so that we have, wow, we've covered so much ground and we've not even started this episode really. But um, so we established that, yes, uh, Fran, all of the information and knowledge she has is like about pop culture and Mr. Shopville doesn't necessarily have respect for her uh, intellect. Yeah, her intellect. Intelligence. Yeah. yeah. And the next scene we have, <laughs> um, she is in Mr. Sheffield's office and he is trying to work while she is spying on the people moving in next door. She literally has binoculars. And um, this made me laugh. Uh, Mr. Sheffield gets frustrated and yells. And she goes, Shh, what if the person moving in next door is a single guy? If he hears you yelling at me, he's going to think we're married. <laughs> um, and when we also establish in this scene that um, President Clinton is hosting – uh, what was called a Renaissance weekend at the yeah. White House, which was a meeting of, you know, 
great minds in all different fields. And Mr. Sheffield clearly was hoping he would get invited as sort of a representative from the theater community. And he's not on the list, but he reads in the paper that Andrew Lloyd Webber was invited. So Mm -hmm. he's not... mm -hmm. Classic (laughs) Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, So uh, then we established, I think, what is the A plot after all of this, which is... Uh, you know, they move it into the, they, yeah, they move into the living room and Cece is there putting sort of a tray of, of appetizers and drinks together. And we find out that her brother, Noel, is coming to visit. Um, and Fran's like, wait, wait, a single guy? Uh, and Cece goes, oh, Miss Fine. Like, he definitely would be interested in you. He's a professor at Northwestern. Uh, so we establish he has this, you know, like erudite intellectual brother who's coming. Um, and, I noticed in this episode as well that the C.C. Niles dynamic has not changed and they have not referred to that kiss that they shared last week. Like they've no. gone right back into their sort of sparring, I hate you um, relationship, which I think is a very good choice. I, you know, I, I think that we don't need any more of that, at least right now. Agreed. And so then Michael McKean, uh, a.k.a. Cece's brother, Noel, shows up. Um, and, you know, we we established that they have this very specific brother-sister relationship where they're kind of always – they're always teasing each other. They're always making yeah. bets. They're always, um, like, betting large amounts of money. Um, they're very kind of a cold, blue-blooded vibe between them, but also, mm-hmm. you know, a great affinity for each other, which comes up later in a weird joke, which we'll get to. Um, a lot of our listeners wrote in about this joke as well. Um, but so um, he meets Fran and he meets the family and then he and Cece are just sitting around talking and he asks if there's anything going on between Fran and Mr. Sheffield. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. Maxwell's an educated man. <laughs> she went to Nick at night school. <laughs> Which did make me laugh. Um, and then this is where we get that weird joke where he's like, Yes. He goes, Cece, would you like to have some fun? And she goes, I thought that was against the law. And, an and in- he laughs like, and, <laughs> and the audience loves it too. Yeah. The audience loves it too. <laughs> Everyone loves a good incest joke, I guess. But the thing is, the way that Cece asked it, I don't think she was making a joke. I think she was like, She wasn't saying that like tongue in cheek, it seemed like she was genuinely thinking that no. he was, he was yeah. propositioning her and yes. she was like, mm, but I don't think we're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. I mean, he says, he goes, stop, you're going to make me go right here, which I think meant pee his pants. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love that. I love stop. You're going to make me go. <laughs> <laughs> it actually sounds more like a Sylvia line than a it's, professor line. It's so funny. But so he then says, no, 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 that's not what I mean. He's like, no. I'll bet you my Lamborghini for like your prize racehorse that I can get Fran onto Jeopardy. Yeah. And so now we've really established like what this episode is about. Um and so the next two scenes are, you know, Noel ingratiating himself with Fran. He's tell- he's like complimenting her intelligence and, you know, saying how he doesn't understand why she's insecure about how smart she is because, you know, he can tell she's so brilliant. Um, he actually says something like, um, yeah, you know, like – I think you could even be on Jeopardy. Like, let's try to throw some questions at you. And then we cut to what is several, clearly several hours later. He looks exhausted. (laughs) Fran has like been completely like not just getting things wrong, but like so out of left field wrong. Like can't even follow the questions he's asking. Um, And basically um, 
Cece's brother's like, all right, you know what? Why don't we pick this up tomorrow? Okay. And he's like, I have a headache. <laughs> so he leaves and Mr. Sheffield enters and he's, you know, like, oh, like, is Noel no longer here? Too bad. So we definitely get the sense that he has been noticing that Noel and Fran have been spending time with each other and he is not liking it. And he's very passive aggressively kind of just poo pooing the whole dynamic. Yeah, their um, whole relationship. And she's like, oh, is it so surprising to you that like, you know, a man of his caliber could, you know, find something interesting in me? And he literally says something like, I'm pretty sure that's not what, like, that's not what's arousing him is fine. Um, implying that like, no, there is no way that like an intelligent man could be interested in yeah. her, which is such a, such a dig. Um, and then they well, have- And again, this- it's like, that's either a cell phone and he's like- <laughs> I'm not smart enough to be a smart enough man to not be attracted to you. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, or he's literally just like, even I am only into you for your looks. Yes. Also, <laughs> when you said self-own, it sounded you like I said cell phone. I did. I did. <laughs> it took me a second to catch up as to like how that was connected to all It's we a cell phone. Yeah. It's just like an iPhone, Toria. <laughs> Oh, now I understand. Thank you. Um, but then we, when am I going to get on Jeopardy? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, now, oh, so we have this then this exchange, which is very similar to an exchange they had in that uh, episode, "A Star Is Unborn," when Fran um, is going to be in basically like an off Broadway production. Yes, and she's just like, "You're just upset because Noel sees my potential." And, he, and she, she's like, you just want to keep me in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant. And he's like, you're the one who wanted to have children and make it your full-time job. And then he's like, wait, what am I saying? And it's just one of those fights that devolves into a married couple fight and they both like lose the thread of what it's about. Um, but they Also, I like the reveal that at some point she floated to him, we should have children, so this is my full-time job. No, 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 no. I, no, no, no. I interpreted that as um, – He's saying, like, you're the one who wanted to be a nanny and make children mm. your full-time job. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess that's what I guess that's what you said. <laughs> um, so we then get to a few days later in Mr. Sheffield's office. And, like, so we know that Mr. Sheffield and Fran did not really end any of that on good terms. And she's clearly spending a lot of time with Cece's brother now prepping for Jeopardy. And, it's you know, classic Mr. Sheffield, like, no self-awareness. He's like – Niles, I, I can't concentrate. Something just feels different. It's too quiet. And then there was this great moment where I love this. Yeah, Niles is like, oh, maybe I can help you out with, you know, figuring it out. And he literally hops up on the desk and goes, oh, Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> Doing a Fran impression. It's so good. He does like an American accent and everything. It's awesome. Yeah. And he like crosses legs on the desk and he's like, you know, Mr. Sheffield, it's, it's clear that you miss her. And Mr. Sheffield's like, oh, I don't miss her. I, I'm just wondering where she is, what she's doing, uh, how she's feeling. <laughs> that's, that's totally different than missing her. And um, Niles has this great moment where he just kind of like almost like gazes off into the distance and like lost in thought. And Mr. Sheffield's like, are you all right? And Niles is like, oh, yes, Mr. Sheffield. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out how you ended up there, like behind the desk. And he's like, and I ended up here, like holding the dust mop. And he's like, it doesn't seem right. Um, which is so true. Like he's clearly so much smarter than Mr. Sheffield. Much smarter. Um, and then um, 
Oh, but in this moment, though, Niles reveals to Mr. Sheffield that the only reason Noel is taking such an interest in Fran right now is because of a bet. But he, in an also really nice Niles moment, kind of like asked Mr. Sheffield not to tell Fran about it or not to like rub her nose in it. And Mr. Sheffield is like, of course, of course. And then like the second they hear the front door open and close, he literally giddily jumps out of his chair and like runs towards it because he in utter glee, like he just wants to really like – like uh, sabotage what's happening. Yeah, he really days. wants to remind this woman of her place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's actually a much pettier, more selfish place because he's like, I don't like you hanging out with this guy, so I'm gonna like burst your bubble. Yeah. Um. And this, the way that he runs across the house was really funny. It was. It was. Great. Yeah, it's really well done by Charles Donahue. <laughs> he doesn't do um, a lot of physical comedy, but it was good. It was good. <laughs> and he's like, he is. When when Charles Shaughnessy is playing Mr. Sheffield like at his funniest, it's when he is um, very childlike and petty. Yes. <laughs> so yes. This is perfect. Um, and so, you know, but Fran comes in with Noel and she announces that she made it on to Jeopardy, actually. You know, like yeah. shocking everyone. <laughs> this is like my problem. I'm, I'm not even going to save it until the end, but this is like my favorite line. Uh, Cece's brother goes, yes, like I'm so proud of you, Fran. And he goes, her thirsty little mind soaked up all that knowledge like a sponge. (laughs) (laughs) Or like like, like her thirsty thirsty mind soaked up all that knowledge like a little sponge. And it was just – I was laughing so hard just like (laughs) the idea of her thirsty little mind. (laughs) Yeah, her like Um, knowledge depraved mind. (laughs) (laughs) Or deprived. Knowledge deprived. (laughs) And then, you know, Susie starts sobbing because she's just lost her $200,000 stallion. Um, and then, you know, Cece and her brother exit and Mr. Sheffield is about to then rub Fran's face in the fact that this was all a bet, which kind of like, I I guess works in that it would make her feel bad that that's the only reason Noel was spending time with her. But I would also be like, if I was Fran, like, well, cool. He bet on my intelligence and he won. So like, actually I'm not betting at all, but no. uh, And, and, and I think he's, he, he bet on my intelligence. Like if anything, it would push her to him. He like, wow, he really believed in me before he even knew me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. But so, but, you know, Mr. Sheffield is going to say this from a place of sort of pettiness. Um, but before he can, she's like, oh, Mr. Sheffield, you know, you're already so smart and cultured and everybody knows it and everybody listens to what you have to say. She's like, so you have no idea how it feels to a girl like me to have the respect of like a person like Noel. Right. And, you know, it, 
you know, I think to Mr. Sheffield's credit, he instantly realizes like, no, I, I can't take this from her, uh, which he's really not because she got on Jeopardy already, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, but he, you know, he, he pauses and then he's just, and she's like, and so what did you want to tell me, Mr. Sheffield? And he's literally like, uh, just, uh, you know, good luck on Jeopardy. So he does take the high road finally in this episode. And and then we get to the big, huge set piece of this episode, which I loved. I mean, you know, I, I don't love everything they did to get her here, but um, it's literally Fran on the Jeopardy set. And Alex yep. Trebek is there. And I got a real pang of sadness that yeah, he's gone. Same. It like weirdly hit home. Same. Um, and I, I love, I actually love this seen for him for a couple things that he does specifically Mm -hmm. i think that's what really made this like a great scene for me he popped up in a lot of stuff in this kind of like cameo and he was always funny yeah like he he just had good timing you know Mm -hmm. smart people are always funny you know he's a very smart guy you really Yeah, Alex are back. I mean, um, look, I, you saying that like it's a given that all game show hosts have to be good but, at the game show I they think, host. But he's famously, <laughs> but I think he's famously known to ha- be like with like the heart and mind behind sure. that show. Yes. Um. But so. Um. And now it's heartless and brainless. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So. Uh. We. So first, Fran's really nervous, but then she goes out there and she's initially behind. And it's funny because she's kind of just like filing her nails. Like she's clearly kind of zoning out (laughs) while on Jeopardy. Um, And we have these other two contestants. And she – the question that comes up is like this this famous Thomas um, invented this household product in like 1880 or whatever it was. Uh, Someone guesses the light bulb. Someone guesses the phonograph because they're thinking like Thomas Edison. And then (laughs) Alex Rebecca is like, uh, Miss Fine. Uh, do you want to weigh in? And she's like, huh? Because <laughs> she's been filing her nails. <laughs> and he repeats the question and she's like, the fork separated English muffin or yeah, whatever yeah. it was called. Um, and then she begins to recite the actual copy from the English muffin commercial at the time. Right. She's literally like, it was 1890 when Mr. Thomas decided to close up his shop in the old country and head to ours. <laughs> and, yeah. so, um, and so he, Alex Trebek is literally like, that's that's actually right. And so she gets a little bit ahead and then they go into daily double. And I I thought they did a good job of um, using questions that might be realistic to the show and also having contestants guess realistically wrong answers. I I like that. I like that they put a little effort into that. Um, And in this one, it was um, which city, which Egyptian city was incorporated into the Roman Empire after Cleopatra's suicide? And we have this really, really funny thing where, you know, we go into the Daily Jeopardy, the Double Jeopardy music, and the two other contestants are like scribbling their answers. And Fran is in a very Lucille Ball way, like clearly like, uh, uh, she throws her earring on the floor and he goes, oh, my earring. And then kind of tries to like look over everyone's shoulder to see what they're <laughs> writing and she doesn't have yeah. any success. And then uh, we kind of get the idea that there's like this little like light bulb almost that goes off into her head. So then like almost like she figured something out. And then, you know, the first contestant gets this wrong. The second contestant gets this wrong. And then Alex Rebeck is like, um, okay, Miss Fine. And she's like, okay. And instead of just saying the answer, she starts on this long-winded story where she's like, so my mother and I were flying <laughs> out of Israel and we were sitting next to – and like it goes on and on. And 
he's he is basically like, okay, okay, like, but what's your answer? And she's like, okay, Mr. Impatient. And she keeps going on with the story. And then Alex Trebek does this amazing Mr. Sheffield impersonation because he literally goes, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs> like he loses it um and she's like okay okay what is alexandria and it's right yep. uh, um and so she wins and that's why i say it was very slumdog millionaire like but it's um, really funny because she only bets a hundred dollars because she only has a hundred dollars <laughs> so she wins with two hundred dollars and really the only reason she wins is because the other two people had bet more and they go into the negative. So she barely wins by $200 on Jeopardy, which I thought was really funny. If you watch Jeopardy, it's like a, it's like, it's a hilarious win. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> it's like barely a win. <laughs> <laughs> and she's jumping up and down and yeah. she runs over and hugs Alex Trebek and she's going, hi ma on camera. Um, and you know, it's this very like victorious moment for her. Um, and then we cut to Fran in the kitchen like the following week. And she's actually on the phone with Jeopardy because <laughs> she's complaining that they didn't send her the agreed upon number of rice aronis. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, Mr. Sheffield comes in and, you know, they're, ha- they're just chatting and the, the kitchen – there's a knock at the kitchen door – and I go, Roger Clinton again? Three question marks. Because Me too. It's, it's Roger Clinton. Bill Clinton. I wrote the same note. I wrote, who is friends with Roger Clinton on this show? <laughs> oh my God. So he he show, he knocks at the door yeah. and he's and uh Fran's like, oh Mr. Sheffield, like you remember Roger Clinton? <laughs> Bill Clinton's brother, like they have to establish it again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he's actually the guy who moved in next door. It's stupid to establish it twice. It's like double stupid because A, the characters have already met this person. So like they are familiar with who he is. And B, he's literally the sitting president's brother who everyone at the time knew. So like there's double no reason for her to introduce him like that. Well, mate, you know what? We say everybody knew it, but you know, there's always those polls where it's like so many people like don't know the um name of the president's wife or the president's children and like we do because true. we actually like That's are true. voters but there's so many people who would like much sooner know every contestant on american idol than like any than like name. the first lady's name yes a hundred percent that's true that's true um, okay and um but the thing is even though they have him on they still totally diss him because then mr sheffield goes ah yes roger it's amazing you have time to stop by what with and then he like thinks and he goes your brother's job and all like you thought he was gonna say what with your busy schedule but like he yeah. can't even finish the sentence because it's uh, um, and then um, Roger is literally like, you know, I, I just wanted to hand deliver this invitation to you, Mr. Mm-hmm. Sheffield. It's from my brother. And he opens it and it's an invitation to the Renaissance weekend. Yes. And, and you know, he like says his goodbye and leaves. And Mr. Sheffield looks at Fran and he's like, you didn't have anything to do with this, did you? Because he's he's very, very happy. Um, and that, but But he kind of suspects like maybe she had gone over to Roger and like right. asked. Right. And she's like, of course not. Do you really think I could influence the president of the United States? And she's like, no, go pick up a corsage. You're taking out Janet Reno tonight. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which Janet Reno was the attorney general at the time. Yes. And she was she was sort of a formidable looking woman. So I think there was also a, a joke in that as well. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like she seemed like a tough cookie and not necessarily someone that Mr. Sheffield that was a might- very diplomatic way of describing Janet, you know. <laughs> I'll just say this. Will Ferrell used to play her on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> um, and then, uh, then that's the episode. And there really it. wasn't that much Michael McKean. No, I know. I felt a little robbed. I like Michael McKean a lot. He's great. Um, yeah. He didn't really get a lot to do. Although mm. I still think, you know, stop, you're going to make me go right here. <laughs> Such a good <laughs> line. And the delivery is so funny. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Segments. Segments. And now, segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I have to say, we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. (laughs) So I'm thinking, since this is our first week of slightly switching things up, we should do our favorite lines in moments like usual, usual, because that kind Mm -hmm, of flows mm -hmm. well. And then we'll go into what the audience was thinking. Ooh, I can't wait. Okay. Uh, Well, my favorite line that didn't get mentioned is in the very beginning, Cece's talking, she's, you know, talking about her brother is coming and she goes, every summer, my brother would take me to the horse show. And Niles goes, did you ever win? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's classic Cece Niles. Like, like you said, it, it, after the season opener, it sort of brought you back to like, oh yeah, right. This is what their relationship is. Like, we're Uh not going to get like now they flirt or he doesn't insult her. Like we're right back to it, which was really nice. And I thought it was just a really, it was just like a really funny line. Yeah. I really liked that. Um, I actually, I think I already was so excited about my favorite lines. I, I mentioned them, but I liked Maxwell's an educated man. She went to Nick at night school. I, I do really enjoy <laughs> it. Um, and again, miss, uh, not miss, um, Alex Trebek, yelling miss fine in utter exasperation like with his hands like ringing at his ears yeah it was perfect killed me perfect yep yeah um all right so what is what did the audience have to say uh okay so and just to catch everybody up this week for the first time ever on uh at oh mr sheffield pod on insta we asked you guys like your thoughts and comments or questions about the uh, episodes we were going to record today. And we got so much awesome feedback. Um, We were so excited uh, to read it all. So, okay. Erin Hibbler wrote, she goes, am I crazy? Or at the end of Franny and the professor, when she counts her boxes of rice aroni, she says five, but I swear there are six boxes there. (laughs) She, she is not crazy in the first, um, uh, shot where you see them, there are five boxes. And then when sh- Mr. Sheffield comes in a moment later, there are six boxes there. Yeah. So it was just totally one of those, uh, you know, whoever was supposed to be doing, uh, what, what's it called when you do those checks, you know, before you're seeing continuity, continuity checks. Yeah. yeah. Someone missed yeah. it. I mean, that's, that's supposed to be the script supervisor's job. Um, I truly, truly think if I had to, actually pick a job that I would be worst at in the world. It would be that. Yeah. It would be that would be so hard for me. Like detail oriented, visual, like it, the whatever show I did that for would be a, a friggin' mess. <laughs> um you would be bad at it. Um then uh our very good friend of the pod who's been on the podcast before, Genevieve Kane wrote Cece and her brother really be serving us uh, Cersei and Jamie Lannister vibes. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is I hadn't rewatched this episode bef- um, before I 
read some of these comments. So I was like, so excited. I was like, what is going to happen? <laughs> like, um, and then finally, oh, not finally, we have La Petite Sparks, who has gifted us with some amazing um, nanny trivia in the past because um, she's worked in production for many years. She also had some comments. Um, some of the most re- – I-, I won't share them all even though she sent us a ton of great stuff. But she made a note that season three is when we start to consistently get jealous Maxwell, which mm. I have very much noticed as well. Mm-hmm. They're they're really turning that up. Um, she – says that she noted that Michael McKean was in Spinal Tap with Fran Drescher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot she was in Spinal Tap. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. I forgot she was in that. Yeah, I, I also forgot to, She. It's so interesting because she has had these parts in some very iconic films of the 20th century like, yeah. um, that you don't necessarily associate her with. So it's, it's always fun when you make those connections. Um, she also said uh, – she noted that – they reuse actors in different small roles a lot. Both the Jeopardy players are in multiple episodes. Mm. So look, want to look out for them. And so they, they had a lot of um, they had a lot of like recurring extras that they were just like, yeah. get in here, put this shirt on. <laughs> Which a lot, you know, a lot of shows do. Yeah, and, uh, they do. But, um, and she also, she t- had a similar comment to us. She went, I don't always love when they make Fran appear stupid, but then I did like that the way that she uh, passed Jeopardy. So um, yeah. She, she's well, I know, and I would, I would, like I was saying, I would argue that it was pretty consistent because her passage of Jeopardy really came from her knowledge of like weird pop culture, minutia, and you know that is the kind of thing that she has consistently been shown to like have. Yes. Oh, and I'll say the way she passed the Jeopardy test, which I'm assuming means the like um, entry test. So she went, she's smart. She just hasn't always applied herself. That's yeah. what, which I totally agree with. Um, yeah. And then last thing um, from listener Susanna Varghese, she, mm-hmm. she noted that, um, first of all, season three in general, she says wardrobe, hair and makeup acting is perfection this season. Mm. Big fan. She says there's a lot of seventies inspo in France style. Nice. And for this episode specifically, um, also Susie wants to hook up with her brother. Question mark. Was that the joke? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was um, the joke. <laughs> yep. Cece wants to sleep with her brother. <laughs> and she, she really enjoyed um, a line that we – that is a great line, but we didn't flag it. When Fran is talking to Mr. Sheffield and she goes, you've never appreciated my inane intelligence. <laughs> this innate intelligence. Inane. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and – uh, she cited a lot of some of the same things that we did in terms of enjoyable lines. And she also says that um, uh, she says some episodes in some episodes, they play Fran to be quite smart. And in others, she's highly unintellectual, but her thoughtfulness and sincerity always wins. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. And also we started seeing that Mr. Sheffield's growing, Mr. Sheffield's growing more attached to Fran. So, so I feel like we're all, we're, Oh, hold on before I even move on. Yes. Interesting facts and trivia that she yes. provided. Affirmative action in California, Prop 209, passed in November 96, which – so it makes sense that Mr. Sheffield chose that as his topic. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I the first time I ever heard affirmative action was like this period of my life. It was like, like you know, mid-90s. It was like every sitcom was making affirmative action jokes. SNL was doing affirmative action bits. Like everyone was talking about affirmative action, affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't learn what it actually was until like, I don't know, four years ago. <laughs> I was like, I was a teenager at the time. It had no bearing on me. I was like, I don't care what this is. 
We were young and we were white. <laughs> we were, yeah, I was that's the thing when you're back, this is not true of teens today, or at least the teens that we hear about on TV, but you know, pre-internet, it was very easy to live in a bubble. Oh yeah. It was very easy to be like, ah, this is my life. So it must be everyone's life. Well, and also like my mom didn't watch the news. So like we never had the news on in my house. So like, and that was it. The, you yeah. know, like there were newspapers, sure, you know, and like you'd read what was in the newspaper sometimes, but like, I, you know, I'm, I wasn't reading the, yeah. I wasn't reading the newspaper at 15. Yeah. You know, like, it was, it was the, pre, pre-internet, pre-Twitter, pre-TikTok. It was just, it was yeah. very easy to not know a lot. <laughs> I feel like teenagers are able to access news now because it's just part of like their daily lives. It's part of like their feed. Something happens and it's just shoved in your face or someone's doing 40 videos about it. But like, you know, unless you picked up a newspaper or watched the weekly news, to do that, that was it. That, that was where you could learn that was, that was life. It was like that Tom Hanks movie, News from the World. It is exactly like that movie, actually. <laughs> I actually – that wasn't so – it was bad. fine. It, it, 25 years ago, it would have been like the talk of the town. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but so – and we're going we're gonna to have to figure out how to edit this because now we still have nanny trivia. So it's like maybe, maybe we won't do nanny trivia some weeks to shorten it. Who knows? But for nanny trivia this week, Franny and the Professor – comes from a sitcom from 1970 called Nanny and the Professor. Mm -hmm. And it was about um, a nanny to a single father, an a a sort of whimsical English nanny. It Mm. ran for 54 episodes um, on ABC. And um, it was clearly very much inspired by Mary Poppins. From everything I read, it was like she was more magical than a regular person, but less magical than Mary Poppins. And they almost <laughs> they walked this weird line of like, you know, she would always know who was at the door before she answered it or she knew who was calling. <laughs> um, but like, you're not really sure. Like if she, and it says Nanny was apparently psychic and had regular flashes of what was often more than intuition. Accented by a musical tinkling sound effect. Uh, um, (laughs) So it was like going after like bewitched. Yes. But like, again, not like with that. Okay. Premise is witch becomes a housewife. You know, Jeannie lives with a regular American man. And this was like Mary Poppins, the TV show. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So that was a, I I never heard of this, but I kind of feel like I would have loved it if it had been on Nick at Night. Yeah, agreed. I, this mm-hmm. I'm shocked I've never heard of this show because this sounds like right up my alley. Like, oh, also this is I love this detail. It says midway through the first season, Nanny and the kids restored a broken down 1930 model Ford, which <laughs> which Nanny named Arabella. For some reason, the car's radio can only pick up radio broadcasts from 1930. See, it was magical. It's cool. It's so yeah. cool. I loved it. Um, that has nothing to do really with this show though, that we're talking about, The Nanny. No, but surprise, the next show we're going to watch every episode of, <laughs> do a podcast about. We we only do shows with Nanny in the title. Ooh. <laughs> nanny knows best. Yeah. Um, nanny and the Professor is next. I mean, it's only 54 episodes. We could do that. Oh, yeah. We're We've already- done 54 episodes already. Let's double down and do both podcasts at the same time. <laughs> um, and then, okay, Yiddish, Quelling. When Cece's brother introduces himself as yes. Dr. Babcock, she goes, a teacher and a doctor, your mother must be Quelling. <laughs> Which, A, she clearly 
didn't know that um, if you have a PhD, Professor, your PhD title, doctor, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Kvelling is bursting with pride or satisfaction. Yeah, Kvelling. Oh mm-hmm. my God, uh, Kvelling. And finally, it's after like this- Overwhelmed with, with pride. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and you know what? There are some doctors who are PhDs, and that must give you the most That's satisfaction. Can you, imagine? Nope. can you imagine? Can you imagine? No, we certainly can't. <laughs> I can. I can't. I can barely imagine finishing high school. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to the brand or the CC perfectly. I say we're both the friends. We would both only ever have a chance at winning a game show if it was pop culture based knowledge. <laughs> yes, this is correct, and um, also. Uh, uh, my siblings are the the more successful ones, so um, I, that was the only way I relate to CC. But neither one of them are professors or doctors. But so. Cece's also a uh, success in her own right. She's theoretically a successful Broadway producer. True, true. She is. Um, she she has a successful career. She's just unsuccessful at everything else. <laughs> unsuccessful at life. <laughs> I was gonna say you're off to the friend because you just said unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. That's <laughs> it's when, when Ralphie from The Simpson goes, me fail English? That yeah. impossible. <laughs> um, and yeah, I I actually embedded all trivia, even pop, even pop culture based mm. trivia. I just can't think of it when there's pressure involved. No, I could kill on pop culture trivia show. I, there used to be like a MTV show that was like pop culture trivia. There was also one that was like music video trivia. I was like, I would kill at this. But then I had a friend of mine get on Jeopardy and I went to the taping and I was like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. Yeah. This wouldn't be me. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, I, yeah, we're still figuring out this new segment, you know, how long it should be, if it's going to be something that really works long term. But we so loved um, getting your thoughts and your insights. And we're going to definitely do it for next week's episode. And we'll keep doing it if it's feeling good. Um, yeah, listen, then- just keep sending them in. We'll keep posting the things. And you guys, if you have thoughts or you have feelings or you have cool facts, just post them and share them. Because even if we don't read all of them, it's super interesting for Tori and I. Mm-hmm. Like we like it and it, and it's a good way for us to interact with all of you and and it's fun. So if you want to do that, find us on Twitter or Instagram at oh Mr. Chef Pod. That's Chef with two Fs uh, and an SH. Um, and then also go to go to listen, guys. Go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify. You're already there. You're listening to the show. Leave a review. Rate five stars, mm-hmm. leave a review, say this is the best show I've ever heard about the nanny, and I can't imagine another show about the nanny. And that helps us. It helps us. It helps other people find the show, and it helps us feel good about ourselves. So mm-hmm. just if either of those reasons uh, fall on your ears, then please – please go do that. That would be great. And if you don't, that's also fine. We hope you're enjoying the show and we can't wait to do another 400 of these. (laughs) 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 All right. Bye. Uh, Bye guys. The Flashing Girl from Flushing. The Nanny Named Friend. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. uh, uh, Miss Fine. (laughs)